0: this episode of the Bell and Gossett podcast, we check in with Xylem's Mark Handel about what engineers need to know regarding the Department of Energy pump efficiency standards that go into effect this coming January. Mark is an esteemed colleague and hydronics industry veteran with more than 35 years of experience with Xylem Bell and Gossett. He has also worked with DOE and industry representatives in
1: shaping the new regulations.
0: So Mark, welcome and thanks for your time today.
1: No, thank you, Kyle, for that rousing welcome. And yeah, it's definitely... The subject of pump energy consumption has been near and dear to my heart now since 2011 when DOE started their investigation. So uh, we're we're coming down a long and windy road and you know, getting near the end in the imp- implementation of these rules. So looking forward to talking about it further.
0: Awesome. I, you know, I, that, that just kind of leads into kind of one of my first questions. You know, why is January 2020 such a big date for the entire pump industry?
1: Well... You know, I think the the simplest way I can explain it, Kyle, is that there have never been energy consumption rules related to centrifugal pumps in effect in the United States before. And so that's what's changing is that now the energy consumption of our pumps is going under regulatory status. And so... The industry has been preparing for this. Obviously, I said I mentioned that 2011 date when everything started, and I would say the industry has been preparing for this since 2011, but we've actually known the formal requirements that the DOE wanted us to comply with since 2016. So even so, it's been four years that we've been working at this. So uh, yeah, it's a big deal because now we're looking at energy consumption, which really translates to efficiency, but it's just a new requirement that manufacturers have to ensure that they're in compliance with.
0: Interesting. And I heard you mentioned January, 2016 to now, you know, three to four years for compliance and 2020 is when it's really hitting in. So roughly six months from now when the compliance standard really hits and takes place, it seems like a relatively short amount of time for manufacturers to comply. Do you see some struggles in the industry as a whole because of that three to
1: four year time period? Well, it really varies by the manufacturer, but DOE typically allows manufacturers four to five years to get in compliance. That's a negotiated number. This was a negotiated number that was worked through with the working group that you mentioned. And just to clarify, you know, what the purpose of that U.S. Department of Energy working group, what they do in working groups is basically we negotiated with all the interested parties who served on that group a, and developed a recommendation that we gave to DOE. That said, here's what we think you should put in place for energy conservation standards, and here's the time that the industry should be allowed to prepare for it. So, four years is, you know, when you when you look at what it takes for us to redesign a pump you know, with building the components, sampling, you know, doing all the things that we have to do in testing. Four years is is not a lot of time, but it, it was judged to be enough time, Kyle. And I think I'll just state from from Xylem's personal experiences that certainly we have been working at this for every moment of that time. And do we have some products that are going to come down right to the finish line in terms of getting in compliance? Absolutely, we will. But that's just the nature of a lot of pump models and a lot of pump product lines and just a lot of effort being put forth throughout our organization and certainly across every pump manufacturing organization right now to ensure compliance. Wow, that's really interesting, actually, because, you know, one of the things that I started thinking about this
0: is it's taken four years, three, four years for manufacturers to come up there. And to your point of getting close to that finish line, you know, some of the things from the market perspective, what are some of the key things that are, you know, the consulting, specifying engineers, our uh, owners of buildings, facility managers, installing contractors really need to know about this and kind of how to implement it, use it wisely, make sure that it is in compliance with that DOE
1: requirement. Yeah, I think the the key things, Kyle, you know, certainly after that January 27th, 2020 deadline, the only pumps being manufactured in the marketplace will be compliant products. So in terms of after that date, technically, there should only be compliant products on the market. And i got to say that in a little hesitation because, you know, what the law really says is that as of that date, manufacturers can only make compliant product if there are products that were manufactured before the date and distributed out into the distribution channels they can still be sold but i think you know the other thing that owners and, and consulting engineers can be looking at now is that there are many companies that have compliant products already on the marketplace you know in particular you look at some of Xylem's product lines like the Goulds water technology brand products or the bell and Gossett products You know, those products are already in compliance and have been for some time. And we've made our performance data available through a industry website so that if anyone is interested, they can actually go in and look at the performance data now and see what compliant pumps are available. But I think, you know, Kyle, the the most important things people could be doing is that you understand that what this law really does is it takes models off the market that just to be the poorest performing in terms of energy consumption. So what this really does is it ensures that any user in the marketplace is going to be buying better pumps than what they have now. So I think this is an ideal opportunity for owners to look at those 15 and 20-year-old pumps that they have still operating and upgrade them to more modern equipment that will use less energy and then also look at putting you know a newer motor on it and a newer controls so that they can take advantage of you know variable speed and just take their system up to modern standards and save a lot of energy overall.
0: Yeah, yeah I w- I would agree with you on that. I mean uh, doing that update and upgrade to some of these existing buildings where uh, we all know I mean hydronics is one of the most efficient HVAC systems out there and being that the pump is really the heart of the system and you really can't do heating or cooling without it it makes a lot of sense to make sure we have that high efficiency in there. You know, I, I wanted to expand a little bit on there, and I know a, a little bit and a decent amount on some of the DOE stuff, but not, not nearly as much as you do. So some terms that came about, and I was hopeful you could help kind of elaborate a little bit. I'm sure there's a lot of questions thinking for the audience a little bit. What, can you help me with, and it's kind of a two-part question, what is PEI? I, I saw that term in in some of these with, you know, a CL and a VL, and then I've seen another label called ER and and what HI is doing. So uh, maybe we can clarify that a little bit. And I know that's a, that's a little bit of a difficult task because it's two different directions. So maybe we can start with one and then go to the other.
1: Yeah. So great question, Kyle. And, you know, I think it does merit some explanation because, you know, particularly PEI is going to be a new term that consulting engineers and users, anyone who's looking at pump performance data is going to start to see PEI, and PEI stands for Pump Energy Index. It is basically a DOE-developed term that, you know, Kyle, you know, many people have always said, well, you know, when you pick a pump, look at the operating performing point and choose it based on the best efficiency. Kyle, you know, you and I spent so much time talking, We we both are in violent agreement that pumps never operate at one performance point. They move around based on the demands of the system, especially... You know, in today's modern hydronic systems, you know, where they're in variable load conditions. So what the DOE did is that they basically developed a load profile that they are using to establish their pump energy indexes. And you mentioned two terms. You mentioned constant load and variable load. So because there are differences in the way pumps perform based on whether they're performing at a constant speed or whether they're running at a variable speed like they would in a variable load system, DOE established two performance metrics for each pump, the PEI C L for constant load, and the PEI VL for the variable load. There are some slight differences in the load profiles used, but the bottom line is that both of those indexes are looking at the performance of the pump at the the main focus point is that on the flow at the best efficiency point and then at reduced pieces of that flow. So Let's give you an example. If the flow at the best efficiency point is 1,000 gpm, that becomes the 100% operating point. Then DOE would look at what's the 50%. Well, that's you know going to be 500 gpm, obviously. And what's it at 750? That's the 75%. So you know they're looking at load profile points based on you know where the pump would be operating on the curve, measuring the efficiency at those points, and that is what goes in and establishes the PEI. So PEI is a pretty straightforward, Kyle. The way the index is set up, it's basically a PEI has to be one or less in order to be in compliance with the DOE standard after that effective date. So PEIs, the smaller the number is better, and you should never see a PEI above 1.0. So, um, you know, get... Go ahead. I'll, I'll pause. No, it no, no, I, I, ext, ext, no, no. Yeah.
0: It's extremely interesting to me. And, you know, one of the things that makes me think about that kind of makes it a little confusing is, you know, when we were mentioning, hey, what are some of the things that can, engineers should be looking out for? I mean, obviously, this is a term kind of like BEP or the efficiency of that particular pump. They, they should be listing out to to help. Should, Should engineers be looking at both the PEI CL and VL for an individual pump
1: selection as opposed to one or the other? So this is a real interesting topic of debate, Kyle, and I'll just try to simplify it as best I can. But the bottom line is is that the PEI CL most reflects the performance of the pump, the pump by itself, just the pump machine. The PEI also can be complicated in the sense that the DOE also created ways to add the motor efficiency and the drive efficiency along with the pump efficiency. So you get a pump system PEI, but they also did things to simplify it by providing motor efficiencies to use and drive efficiencies to use. So if you want to compare one manufacturer's pump against another, my advice is just look at PEI CL. Because all of us are using the same efficiencies for the motors and the drives. So, you know, if you want to just look at one pump manufacturer or another, you can just look at PEICL.
0: That's phenomenal. And that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously uh, motor drives and you know, I hate to go down this path on the VL portion, just as a, as a thought based on what you were saying. So that's motor and drive combination for variable speed. So is it possible to put a drive on a particular pump and have its PEI get under that one threshold and that would be the overall offering for a PEI-VL and and, and maybe a pump
1: may not necessarily perform if it was just by itself, PEI-CL? The way the metric is set up right now, that is correct, Kyle, that you could just install controls on the pump and get it into compliance. So, Bellengosset and and Goulds, you know, all the xylem brands, you know, we did not take that approach. We chose to make sure that our pumps standing alone would be in compliance. So that allows greater flexibility in the way they can be sold. They can be sold without a motor. They can be sold with a motor. They can be sold with controls, you know. So if you get in compliance only by adding controls, you have to only sell your pump with controls. And in order to provide flexibility in the marketplace, in order to be able to sell for retrofit opportunities, we wanted maximum flexibility.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And and it really kind of ties back into that uh, understanding of really looking at CL for a pump to pump comparison and and making sure obviously with the VL that you're uh, in appliance as well. Um, okay, so not to muddy the water any further than that, but I saw another term there, that kind of mentioned it a little bit ago of the ER label. And I, I, And I could be wrong on this one, that that was um, influenced by HI or the the Hydraulic Institute. Can you expand a little bit on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Kyle. For for anybody who might not know, the Hydraulic Institute is the North American Pump Manufacturers Association. So all of the major pump manufacturers are members. HI, as we refer to it, also participated in the DOE rulemaking. They were on the the working group. They had represented the working group, and obviously. You know, we've worked as an industry through HI to answer questions to facilitate the, you know, just we, we did a lot of training for DOE. So HI has been very, very important in this whole effort in order to develop an energy conservation standard for pumps. But one of the additional things that they did is that because there were four years to get ready for the DOE rule, and there were some manufacturers that got in compliance very quickly, there were energy utilities, power companies, that came to HI and said, Hey, we would like to offer a rebate for customers that put in energy efficient pumps. You know, and, and the additional requirement that they the power companies had is they said, Listen, you know, the DOE rulemaking really doesn't go in effect until 2020. So could you come up with another way to measure the efficiency of a pump that we could use for our rebates? So what the hydraulic institute did is they basically developed their own new energy rating. That's what ER stands for. It's an energy rating. And Kyle, here's where it gets a little confusing. It's basically the inverse of the PEI. Okay, so now you have energy rating numbers that are greater than one, and the higher the energy rating number, the more efficient the pump is. So and as I said, this was done at the request of the electrical utility industry, We have started to see some of those rebates coming into effect. Two power companies, Pacific Gas and Electric in Northern California, has had a program in place since February of 2018. And XL Energy in Minnesota, their program actually, uh, it was supposed to start July 1st. I think it's going into effect August 1st now. But interestingly enough, Kyle, both of those utilities did not use energy rating. They didn't use the ER. They used the DOE's PEI because you have to have the PEI to come up with the energy rating. So they chose not to complicate matters further by looking at the second index. So I'll just say personally it's very confusing to explain this to people why do we have to have another index? Why couldn't we just use PEI? And you know, it was we thought we were doing the right thing as an industry to respond to the request of the utilities. So that's the simplest explanation. Sorry to be so long-winded that I could offer. No, no,
0: I, I, it's great as an explanation. And I could definitely see how it confused the the marketplace a little bit. And I, I, I kind of find it a little, um, little funny and ironic at the same time, you know, uh, that the, they came up with the ER rating and for the utilities and the first two utilities out there in California and in, in Minnesota, they, they're not even using it. They're using PEI instead. It's interesting to see the, the back and forth. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what engineers do, because now I'm starting to think more back on if I was that engineer laying out a job, does that mean I need to start putting ER? And now my my you know my schedule starts getting bigger and bigger and more information in there and you know really providing calculations and, and whatnot. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in, in January of 2020 from, from what it sounds like. In simplistic terms, and I know we went through the inverse of ER and then we went through PEI, CL and VL, you know, I try to simplify this in terms. Is it kind of like putting that or when you buy a new appliance that has that yellow sticker and says you're going to operate around here effectively? So is that... Similar is is a, a quite a as a as a correlation to really think about this, or is it specific
1: to? So, so what you're referring to is the Energy Star program, which is also um, a U.S. Department of Energy program. But I think there's other federal agencies that are involved in that. You know, and that was put in place just to better inform consumers about the variation available in energy efficiency of products. So that's not what the pump industry is dealing with here. We were really told we want to elevate your products to a higher level of efficiency. So, you know, we're not really providing that range per se of what's available on the marketplace. We we just weren't asked to do that, Kyle. So it's, that is not what we're doing. Got it. That that makes a lot of sense for sure.
0: Uh, All right. So uh, kind of thinking, you know, with your title and your involvement with the DOE and what we're talking about here, uh, well we kind of went into some terms and I think it's going to be very helpful for a lot of listeners as well. What are the things are we seeing in the DOE as it comes down to hydronics? I thought I heard there was some circulator stuff going on, and and I know that was about the same time of new administration coming in. Has any of that stuff uh, progressed? Is it at a standstill? Where where are we at? Is there anything new that's coming about standard-wise that uh, we should be on the lookout for or or maybe even have an opportunity to have another podcast over? Yeah, so –
1: So thanks for that question, Kyle, this is a great one as well. So the DOE did hold a second group that focused on circulator pumps, which are basically, you know, smaller hydronic circulator pumps that are used in plumbing as well as heating and, you know, even cooling applications. And uh, that working group wrapped up in the fall of 2016, right about the time of the presidential election. And it did make a recommendation to the DOE that they implement standards that would require all circulator pumps to be sold with ECM motors. With the administration change in Washington that came right after that, the current administration is more focused on less regulation rather than more. So there's been no movement on implementing that circulator change to require ECM motors. So that basically is is just, it's not going forward. The industry on its own, the circulator manufacturers have agreed to implement an energy rating label much like what we're using on the bigger pumps on all of our circulator products. So, and Kyle, this label is more meant to inform users about the energy ranges available in the marketplace. So the industry is working on implementing that. I think you'll probably start to hear about that sometime, you know, first quarter of 2020 is I think we'll start to go live. But, you know, it basically is just going to start to highlight the fact that ECM circulators can save tremendous amounts of energy for both residential and commercial customers.
0: Yeah, it's actually great. I mean, uh, especially for a lot of the uh, residential uh, plumbers and uh, wholesalers being able to push some of the CCM technology that's going to happen in the Northeast, North Central, where um, hydronics is, is a fantastic system um, in the heating season. So I think that's going to be really great for sure.
1: Well, Mark, can I throw in one more thing? And, and just yeah, absolutely. Go right ahead. About those those ECM circulators, you know, those products are required in Europe. And so what most of the major manufacturers already have an ECM circulator product line. So these are proven products that are just being introduced in the U.S. market here over the past two or three years. So, you know, no one should have any concern about, I don't want to be the first guy to take this product because they are well, well-established products already. So sorry to interrupt you, Kyle. Go ahead.
0: No, no, I, I, that's a great point. It, it does seem to... Where it starts a little bit in Europe, you know, here in the U.S., it seems to either start in Europe or start in California for driving some regulations that happen here in the U.S. So that's great to hear. And, and you're not going to be a guinea pig by trying one of these things out. That's a proven um, product out there. Well, Mark, yeah. I really I want to take the time and say uh, thank you very much for the wealth of knowledge. Sometimes I think it's hard as a consumer. You hear about all these things going as uh, a news article here or there from DOE. But it, it's really difficult to dig into the details. Sometimes it's a little daunting when you think DOE, you think lawyers, you think a lot of paperwork, and you think a lot of uh, regulations. And, you know, I think today you've really made it a lot simpler for those um, listeners that are engineers as well as facilities and plumbers to really make sure it's easy for them to adhere to this come 2020. So thank you again for the time. And I also want to say, you know, for everyone out there listening, we're going to continue to do these podcasts. So definitely going to have Mark back on. I think it's a fantastic time. I'm looking forward to uh, some different and uh, new topics. So thanks again, Mark.
1: Thank you, Kyle. And just want to put a plug in. If anyone's looking for more information, certainly their local Bell and Gossett representative or the Bell and Gossett public website, bellgossett.com. They contain a tremendous amount of reference information on these topics, as well as you know some webinars that I've already done. So. Clearly, there's a lot of information out there for anyone who might be interested. So thanks again and have a great day. Thanks, Mark.